The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. What is the time? One of the times I was here, we were praying yesterday morning. I think it was from 5 a.m. 5 a.m. We were praying here. The presence of God in this room was so strong. I, I've not experienced it like that before. Now, I have to say, it wasn't the same in other sessions that came after that. But at that time, it was powerful. God wants to come and to meet with his people and to bless and encourage his people and strengthen them. And we just want to encourage you to keep on praying. And we pray here sometimes, but at home, keep praying and keep seeking God. When we had Charles last week, he was encouraging us about having relationship with God. And we, we need relationship. Or have you given up on relationships? No, we need relationship. We want relationship with God. So I want to encourage you to press in upon the things of God. Let me just pray now. Father, we want to thank you for all of the goodness that you provide us with. You are a good God and you watch over us, you keep us, you bless us, you help us. Lord, you do it in so many ways and at so many times, Lord, we even forget sometimes to say thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. Lord, even through difficulties, Lord, you are there and you support us, you care for us, you watch over us. We want to thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that for each one here today, Lord, that you would come and reach into our hearts. Lord, that you would speak into our lives. That you would anoint us afresh with your Holy Spirit. That you would bring encouragement and strengthening, oh God. Lord, that you would cause your word to come alive in our hearts, oh God. And that, Father, that you would stir us, oh God, before your throne. Stir us into action. Stir us, Lord, that when we leave this place, our desire may be to serve your purposes and to walk with you day by day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, perhaps you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to read a very familiar little story from that book. We're going to read Luke chapter 11, verse 11, through to the end of that chapter. So I'm just going to read this if you want to follow it in your version or on your phone or something. I'm reading from the NIV, um, but do follow in whatever version you have. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued. Did I say... Did I? It's okay. It's okay, you see, I'm slightly tired. I'm sorry about that. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start with verse 11. Thank you. If I make any other mistakes, just put your hand up, or I'll just say, oh, that's fine, I'm, I'm, I'll get there. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, in, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come back, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now that story, I'm quite sure, is familiar to a lot of people. You may have heard it been spoken on before. You've obviously read it in the scriptures before, so it's not a surprise to hear that. And many of you would know that as the parable of the lost son. In fact, if you have a Bible like the NIV, in chapter 15, or in, in this version, they give little headings across different sections. Now, actually, that's extra to the Bible because those headings aren't usually there. So, for instance, in this, it's got, if you look at the beginning of, of the chapter, it says the parable of the lost sheep. So it's got the parable of the lost sheep. It then goes on to give the parable of the lost coin. And then it says the parable of the lost son. The parable of the lost son. Well, which of the sons are we talking about? It's interesting you say that, Samuel, because when we talk about it as the parable of, my goodness, sorry, my brain obviously has just disappeared on me today. When we, we often talk about it as just linking about one son, 
but we need to look at both sons. I'm just going to look at this passage very briefly under three headings. I heard somebody else use two of these headings, which was uh, another guy at another church in Bromley here, and I thought they were so good, I've nicked them. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm saying that up front, okay? I'm not, I'm not taking this as my own credit. But what he said was brilliant, and I want to bring that to us. Three headings, all are lost, all are loved, and all must decide. All are lost, all are loved, and all must decide. Here we come into this story, and we read about the younger son. Let's look at him first of all, the younger son. The younger son was a guy who wanted to enjoy life. But you know, the way it went about it wasn't good. He said to his dad, give me my inheritance. In effect, he's saying, dad, you're as good as dead as far as I'm concerned. Because I'm taking the money now, and I'm running with it. And boy, did he run. He didn't stay at home. It wasn't like he took a little bit and went to another town locally. He went to another country, and he just lived the life that that money could allow him to live. And he just enjoyed it. He parted. It was wild living that he went through. So he was living it up, enjoying it, and everything was going great until the money ran out. And then life became very, very difficult. He had nothing. He was miles away from home, and in actual fact, it says there was a famine in the land where he was. So not only was there short supply, he had nothing, and there was short supply of food all around him. And he ends up, as we read, that he's actually managed to get some sort of a job looking after pigs, a Jewish boy looking after pigs. You can sort of sense, even in that, how far down the road that he had got. This son was lost, and we can see that he was lost. We can see that he just gave himself up to whatever he fancied, but he became lost. But he wasn't the only one that was lost. The other son stayed at home and helped his dad. He was working for his dad day to day. Yet when the brother comes home, and we know there's the party going on, what we see is this son, hang on, what's that noise? He's out in the fields, and he hears that there's a party going on. Well, what's all that about? And the servants are all excited. They're saying, like, yeah, your dad's killed the fatted calf. There's a party going on. Your, your brother's come home. You can almost imagine the excitement amongst the servants. Hey, you know, like that sense of, hey, come on, get with it. This is really good news. But the other son gets angry. Angry. His brother has come back. I don't want to know him. That bloke, he took the money. He ran away. He squandered it all on prostitutes. That's where he turned his money. I've got no interest in him. What on earth is dad doing celebrating about this? This is exactly what I feared would happen. I hate it when dad does this. And what we see in him is resentment and anger and ingratitude. I'm not going in there. He stands outside, refusing to go in and celebrate. Let me ask you, who was lost? Who was lost? All are lost. All are lost. So often it's so easy for us to see the person, oh yeah, yeah, my brother, your sister, somebody in your family, they don't go to church. They, they go to the pubs and the clubs. They, they, they go, they're always spending their money. At the end of the month, they haven't got any money because they spent it all on booze. 
or wild living. And you know what? That's so morally corrupt. So we know that they're lost. We pray for them because we hope they're going to be found one day. But inside, we know that they're lost. But you see, there's another group of people who stay around. They, they could even come to church. But inside, they're full of resentment. They're full of bitterness. They're full of all sorts of rubbish about their lives. But they're hanging around, and they're here and there, and they're not doing the same. I'm not squandering my money on prostitutes. I'm not squandering my money and all that drink. I'm here. I'm helping out my dad. But inside, I'm resentful. Inside, I wish that that wasn't the case. Inside, I'm bitter. You see, it doesn't matter whether we're in the church, attending services, whether we're at the pubs or the clubs. Listen, if we have not got a relationship with Jesus Christ, every one of us is lost. It's just that in our society, it makes it so much easier to see the lostness in the eyes of somebody, oh, we are, they're definitely lost. But other people seem to belong, but inside they can still be lost. In church this morning here, you may have just come to visit, you may have come to see what it's all about, you may not usually be in a service, or you may have members of your family that come, and so today you've come along to support them or whatever, but I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Because outside of relationship with him, every one of us is lost. It doesn't matter whether you're looking at your life and you're thinking, well, I'm not like them. Because it's so easy for us to say, well, we're not like them. We, we want in our society to measure ourselves against other people. We want to make sure that we, well, we're good. There was a lady who came into the church this week. She actually had come to come to the macular group, which meet here, but she got the wrong day. And this dear lady had come in and was confused and like, she'd obviously rushed to get here and, and it was all upsetting and, and suddenly she gets here and she says, we're Immaculate Society. And, and Julia was actually on the door, she said, it's not on this week. Oh! And, and you know that sudden frustration that you feel, I've given all of my energy to get here and now it's not on. So we just said to her, Look, just sit down, we'll make you a cup of tea. She said, oh yeah, I can have a cup of tea. So we sat her down, I made her a cup of tea, and after the cup of tea, after about 20 minutes, life had got back to a place of like, okay, back to more normal. And she was just about to go out, and she said to me, are you the vicar here? And I thought, vicar, that sounds quite good. <laughs> I thought, so I said, yes. Yes, I am. So we had her, she said, what do you think of this alpha course? So I said, I said, I think it's a very good course. <laughs> she said, well, I don't. So I, I said, well, why don't you think it's a very good course? You know what, you, you know, I sense it was sort of a loaded question. And anyway, she started to come out with her story. She'd been on an Alpha course. I know why she didn't like the Alpha course. Because the Alpha course was telling her about her lostness. But inside... She was a good person. And sometimes, you know, when we're just good people, look, I, I, I don't go to the clubs. I don't go to the pubs. I'm not squandering my money. I've helped out my dad. Yeah, I know I didn't particularly want to work with his business, but I helped him out. I made it through. Look, I'm a good person. I've stuck around. 
But inside, although I think I'm good, inside I don't understand how lost I am. Listen, everybody, everybody is lost. Everybody is lost. And we all need to come to salvation through Jesus Christ. Everybody is lost, but everybody is loved. This boy that was so lost, the younger son, who went away and squandered all that wealth, he gets to that point of brokenness. He opened his wallet, and now there is no more shekels in there. In fact, he's not only got an empty wallet, he's got an empty stomach. And he's fiddling around with the pigs in the dirt, and it's just suddenly he comes to his senses. What on earth am I doing? Even the servants, those people who I used to be rude to back at home, even they're better off than I am. And so he decides, I'm going to have to go back to dad. Look, I'll just say, dad, can I be your servant? I don't, I'm not worthy to be your son. But on the way back home, his dad sees him coming. And his dad is out there, and his dad is throwing his arms around him, and his dad is kissing him, and his dad is rejoicing, and his dad is saying, you don't have to be a servant, I'm putting a ring on your finger, I'm clothing you, come in, we're going to have a party. I thought you were dead, because you were out in the world, I knew how lost you were, I never thought you were going to come back, but you've come back, and I love you. We see in that story, and it's so often exemplified, all the love that the father had for this renegade son and how he pursued him. Listen, in heaven, that is the attitude of our heavenly father. For everybody. And we see it not only exemplified with the younger son and this outward display of affection, but you see, when it comes to the older son, where was the older son? The older son was like, I'm not going in there. What are they called, this calf? I don't even get a goat. For my friends, we never party. You don't give me anything. Here I am working for dad. I know I'm at home, but it's just rubbish. I don't like it. Everything's coming out. All of this has been hidden. It's hidden away inside. Have you got seething attitudes inside of you? People that you don't want to forgive, things you're so fed up with, things you're so angry about, and usually you keep it pressed down, it's hidden, so people don't know. But suddenly, it comes up. Suddenly, the younger brothers come home. Suddenly, everything's coming out. All that resentment, all that anger, all that frustration is built. It's up, it's coming. And he's outside. So who goes out to find him? The father. He goes out. It could have been a situation where he says, what's the matter with him? Oh, blow him. Let him work it out for himself. No, the father went out to this son. Everyone is loved. Everyone is loved. So often the stories are, look how sinful I was, but I met Jesus. And now my life has radically changed. I was into drugs, drink, prostitution, everything like that. But now, look, and it's great to see people saved from a, a really harsh and difficult background. But it's also necessary to see people saved who just have resentments and frustrations in life. They've never done anything particularly wild or what we describe or the, the, the press would describe as wild and interesting enough to write about. 
But inside, they are lost. And inside, they need to find forgiveness. But what we find in our Father, our Heavenly Father, is that not only is everyone lost, but everyone is loved. Everyone is loved. I am talking to you. Everyone is loved. And the love of the Father is extravagant. The love of the Father is generous. The love of the Father is warm. The love of the Father is embracing. The love of the Father is he, he will humble himself to come to connect with you. He will go outside to speak. Everyone is lost. Everyone is loved. But everyone needs to make a decision. The younger son made a decision when he was there with the pigs. He made a decision. Well, okay, it says it came to his senses. But what it means is he had to work it through. He was thinking about life at that point. You know, prodding the, the pigs, making them squeal a bit, kicking around. He's looking at what they're eating and suddenly he comes to himself, what's the matter with me? They've got food. I've got nothing. What is the matter? And it's, it's like one of those, the light switch goes on. Hello? They've got, I have got nothing. I'm not even, I'm worse off than pigs. My father's servants are treated better than this. He had to make a decision. I've got to go back to my father. He had to make a decision. Everybody has to make a decision. When you come to that place, you realize I'm lost. You've got to make a decision. You're going to stay lost? When the love of the father is calling you back, there are decisions to be made, and everyone has to make a decision. You might be out there and thinking like, yeah, my life really does need to change. I really do need to make some changes. I am actually broken and lost. This lifestyle is empty. There's nothing here for me. I need to make a decision to come and find forgiveness in God. But you see, those people, it's so much, almost it's easier for those people. The change is bigger. But for those who are just living a normal life, so-called normal life, nothing much particularly exciting is happening here, struggling to keep things together, doing a bit of work, doing a bit of this, doing a bit of that. But inside, there's just anger, resentment. There's even the knowledge of some sins, but we don't think we're that bad. But there's just lack of peace. There's lack of fulfillment. We have to make a decision to come to the Father. I want to ask you this morning, where, where are you in life? Where are you? Did you realize that everybody is lost? Did you realize that everybody is loved? Nobody is outside of the love of God. But did you realize that everybody has to make a decision? I have decided to follow Jesus, is the words of a song. No turning back, no turning back. And it talks about somebody that's made a decision to say, okay, I'm going to go this way of Jesus. Jesus came into the world to forgive us for our sins and to bring us back into relationship with our Father God. He came to remove everything that separated us from heaven. He came to bring change to our lives. He is the only one who can truly help us. And this isn't just like Jesus, a religious person. 
It's not like we just come to church and we, we hear a little few songs and we pray a few prayers and we go back. No, 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 that's not the Jesus I'm talking about. I'm talking about the God Almighty of heaven who has created you for purpose and who wants you to know relationship with him so that together with him you may fulfill the reason that you are here on earth. This God who cares for you, this God who loves you, this God who wants to bring peace and fulfillment to your existence here on earth, this God who wants to enable you to live life to the full, that's the God I'm talking about, who wants to walk with you. He doesn't want to be separated from you. He doesn't like it when you just pitch up on a Sunday. He wants to know you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He wants to walk with you and have relationship with you. This is the God I'm talking about. That God wants to have relationship with you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins so that you may know forgiveness of sin and that you may come right into the fullness of the purposes that God has for you. Over this weekend, we've been reading the Bible a lot during our prayer times. One of the ones on, on Friday, the first session, we were reading through Mark's Gospel. And we were reading stories that are, are f familiar um, in many ways. One of the stories we, which I've spoken about recently was the story of Jesus in the boat where he sets off with his disciples to cross the other side of Lake Galilee. And uh, there's a storm that grows up. But obviously Jesus gets in on the boat. He's a bit tired. He goes to sleep. And the storm blows up. And in this storm, the the water is getting so choppy that it's coming into the boat and the boat is filling with water. Now, we've spoken about this before, but let's just get the picture back again. These are fishermen. These are guys that are used to being out on the lake. They're used to all sorts of weather conditions. They're used to managing things with a boat. It's not like a novice like me. I remember once we went out on a boat ride with my father-in-law, mother-in-law, kids were young, we, went out, we were in Greece on holiday, I hired this boat, pootling out, had a bit of lunch, everything's lovely, but I didn't realise it's sort of like, come three o'clock in the afternoon, there's a wind that comes up. So on the way home, the waves were going up and down, even my father-in-law was sort of intimating to me, do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> the answer was no, but we managed to get home and there's another story, but we, it suddenly got windy. Now, suddenly like a novice like myself, yeah, it was scary. These guys are not novices, but they're out in the boat and it's getting very, very choppy and the boat is filling with water. Now it gets to a point when these guys say, okay, enough's enough, this is ridiculous. Jesus is sleeping. Don't you care about what's happening? In other words, this has got beyond a joke. This has got beyond what we feel we can cope with. This situation now is we're about to die. That's where it's got to. We're about to die. Uh, oh, Jesus, we're about to die. Uh, don't you care? And Jesus is awoken and he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And it becomes still. Now, that is so awesome. And the disciples are completely amazed. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus doesn't say, guys, I'm so sorry. I was sleeping. Why didn't you wake me earlier? 
He didn't say any of that. He, he just said, what's the matter with you, O oh, ye of little faith? Where's your faith? He didn't say like, guys, come on, let's get work together. Let's get this boat bailed out. He didn't say any of that. He's interested in faith. Why? Because Jesus is saying to people who put their trust in him, I want you to understand who I am. I'm not a religious figure. I'm not just somebody that you come to church to venerate or to say a few religious prayers to. I am almighty God. And I can speak to the wind and the waves and they obey me. So when there's a storm, it can become calm. But you need to understand, faith in me, I love you and I want to take care of you. You can trust in me. This is why scriptures that say, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, they have meaning. They're not just idle words, they're something that we can carry with us into life. Because life is really hard. Life is difficult. Life does have problems. Life does have difficulties. We do feel lost. We feel overwhelmed. We don't know how to break out. We don't know how to escape. That's why we need real faith in a real God who can really help us. And that's what we're talking about. You see, all are lost. All are loved. But all need to make a decision about whether they're going to surrender to this God and whether they're going to allow him to lead them in their lives. Now, where are you at? Where are you at? Maybe you say, yeah, I've done that. Well, are you living with your eyes fixed upon a God who is like that? A God who can truly help? Having read that story about the storm in the lake, you go into the next chapter in Luke, and it's talking about Jesus coming to the other side, and he goes up and he sees the man who is demon-possessed. A man who is demon-possessed. It means that there are demonic powers that are controlling his life. And it says of this guy, they have tried to chain him, but he breaks the shackles. It says that no one was strong enough to subdue him. That's the power that this guy has. No one was strong enough to subdue him. But when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, he casts out the demon. And the man is found clothed and sitting in his right mind, transformed. When what was said before, no one could subdue him. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. This is the Jesus that we're asking to come into our lives to help us. This is the God that we're trying to get to know. This is the God that we're trying to connect to because we want to know somebody who is able to help us. Not somebody who's a religious thing. Not somebody who brings a bit of peace. Not somebody that we can have communion with which hopefully will make us feel better. We're talking about the creator of the universe who wants to have relationship with us, who is declaring through his son Jesus Christ, I love you and I want relationship with you. You who are lost. It says of Jesus, he came to seek that which was lost. 
He's actually looking for you. Let me ask you, do you feel lost here this morning? Have you come to Jesus with your life? Oh, I don't know what it's going to be like. What's it going to cost me? What's it going to be like? Listen, it's going to cost you everything you've got. Everything you've got. Because he wants your life. He wants you to follow him. But he's going to bring you peace that is beyond description. He's going to lead you every step of the way. You say, when you go back to that boat, when those disciples were in the boat and the storm was coming, why did Jesus say to them about faith? Because Jesus wanted to underline to them, look, life is not always going to be easy. There are going to be storms that come. The boat that you're in, your life, the frame of your life, is, could well fill with water and nearly get to sinking point. It can get to that place, but I want you to have faith in me because I'm God and I care for you. I will deliver you. I will bring you through. It doesn't always mean you're going to come through without scrapes and cuts and bruises, but we have to focus on who is this God who we've come to serve. He is almighty God. He has power over the demonic realm. He is the highest authority that there is. Somebody just said when we were feeding back, having read that scripture, you know, isn't it amazing? The demons, they know his authority. The problem with us Christians is, oh, is he really all powerful? Can he do these things? When it comes to the demonic side, when it comes to Satan and his forces of darkness, they know his authority. Because God has the highest authority. He is the highest name that there is to be named. There is no greater authority than him. And he is the one that we're surrendering our lives to and wanting to follow. Listen, if we're lost, we need to understand how much we are loved. And we need to make a decision to give our lives to this God so that we can serve him from the rest of the days. And I don't know where you are positioned, but we're going to take communion this morning. And as people who have made a decision to follow Jesus, then communion is us coming to God and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's not about whether you've got everything right since that decision was made. It's about saying, I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm going to get my eyes back on Jesus and I'm going to ask for his help in everything because he is my God and he is the only one who can help me. And we come to take communion to remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross. But maybe you're in the situation where you think, I'm so lost, I don't know what to do. I want you to pray in your heart and say, Jesus, I come to you and I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to help me because I'm in a mess. I don't know where to go. I ask you to come and to make your home in my life I ask you to take hold of the steering wheel of my life, as it were, and guide me in the right way. I ask you to come in and help me. Now, if you are praying that prayer, even for the first time this morning, I want to invite you to come forward to partake of communion because you are coming forward to say, now I'm coming to feed upon the life of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's why we can come and feed from him. Because he is the one who gives us true life. I have come to give life. And life in all of its fullness is what Jesus said. And we want to receive from him.
The only reason why you would not come forward is if you realize or you don't realize that you're lost, but you know that you don't have a relationship with God. You're outside of relationship. And we don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to say in this house, we want to encourage everybody to come into a relationship with Jesus. There are many people here who have all sorts of different testimonies of how God is working, has worked, and is working in their lives. No one here can come up on this stage and say, I've got it all together, and I know exactly what life is. All of us are saying we're seeking to walk that life with God day by day. With his strength, with his enlightenment, with his guidance, we're making it through bit by bit. Ben, can you come, come back up, guys? We're going to take, partake of communion, but we're not going to do it in the usual way that we do, i.e. that we pass it from one to another. This morning, I'm looking for you to make a response, not to me, not even to what I've said, but to make a response to your God and to come and receive from him the bread and the wine, representing his body, representing his blood, and so we're going to have two people, myself and Evelyn, are going to stand on this side, and Clive and Paul are going to stand on this side. So we're going to have bread, and we're going to have wine. We're going to do it differently. So you will take a piece of bread, and then you will take the cup of wine, and you can drink that there, and then return to your seat. I went and preached in the Anglican church uh, a couple of weeks ago, and obviously I was involved in communion there, and we went to the rail to receive communion. It just struck me about how it makes you think, I'm coming to Jesus. And I felt this morning, we want to encourage, come to Jesus. You're not just coming for communion, it's not just another thing. Come to Jesus to renew your relationship with him, to strengthen your relationship with him, or even if it's for the first time, to cement your relationship with him. Come to Jesus. Come and interact yourself. So I'm just going to pray. Guys, if you want to come forward, and ladies, that is, guys and ladies. Uh, I'm going to pray. I shall break the bread, and we'll just sort that out, and then people can come forward one by one just to receive. So come and take the bread. Uh, uh, if you're on this side, come and take it from me, on that side from Clive, and take uh, a cup and just drink, and we're just going to receive communion here. Father, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. We thank you that you are a mighty God. We thank you for your eternal love, Lord, which we really do not deserve. But you love us for who we are. You created us, and Lord, you love us so much. You want to see us move out of darkness and come into the light of your kingdom. And you sent your son to make that possible. So Jesus, we want to thank you for your broken body. We want to thank you that your life was freely given for us and that your blood was shed for us, that we might know forgiveness of our sin. And we thank you that it's not only forgiveness of our sin, but your life comes to us to enable us to live day by day. So we want to receive from you this morning, Jesus. We want to have your presence come upon us and for you to interact with us as individuals because you love us for who we are as individuals and make your home afresh in our hearts today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen.